Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? packed episode of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe Mankin flies 1980s Superman 2, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well. This is very exciting, uh, Chris, because A, we have a guest, and B, in these minutes, we strike credits. Yes, we do. We do. We wrap up the action in Superman 2, and as Rob said, we're not alone. Joining us from Radio versus the Martians in Podcast of the Vista, baby. Please welcome our friend Mike Gillis. Hey, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. I know you guys said something earlier on in this series, and I have to, I have to contest it. You <laughs> said that you had reached the high point of Superman, and I say no. Now <laughs> we reach the high point of Superman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This yeah, I think, is I, I, think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, it does not end with General Zod and the crossed arms. This is my Superman moment. Oh, wow, <laughs> yes. I know you specifically requested these minutes, and, and, and I'm sure a lot of people who know where we're at know what you're talking about, but we'll wait until we get there to, to actually actually explain what that is because I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. So yeah. we are covering minutes 120 through 125. We begin with Lois assuring Clark. She appreciates him and ends with the credits of production supervisor. So, like, yes, we're striking credits, as Rob said. Uh, so, Mike, you're here just in time as we turn the lights off, but I think there's some spinach dip left. So. <laughs> Uh, as we mentioned last time, as Lois comes out of her super kiss stupor, stupor uh, the subject of the Man of Steel comes up, and Clark tests his work by going into his old hoary jealousy act, which, as Rob pointed out, is kind of, you know, I mean, come on, Clark, give her at least a few minutes before you, you know, stress the secret identity. But I yeah. guess he's, just... <laughs> he's going right back to the old, uh, he's hitting the beats, man. It's like, all right, Clark, come on, all right, gee. <laughs> I, guess he's, I guess he's testing to see if it works, I guess. Uh, Lois tells Clark she really does appreciate him, especially if he goes and gets her a hamburger at 9 a.m. And, of course, orange juice freshly squeezed. Ugh. Now, uh, yeah, oh, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one, a hamburger with orange juice just sounds disgusting. Uh, two, at 9 a.m., even more disgusting. But I don't know about you guys, but in my many years of working out in public since I got out of college or even before that when I was in high school, I have never thought to ask or – order a co-worker to go out and buy me something to eat so is lois a bit full of herself i think also she's living in a world where she has clark as a co-worker and clark is just a, a natural doormat who follows her around like a puppy dog so yeah you're gonna use that every so often i mean she's not perfect <laughs> 
Well, Mike, you do that all the time on Radio versus the Martians. Don't you order Casey to go get you food before you record? Isn't that what goes oh, on over there? Oh, yeah. Foot massages. <laughs> I get the works, you know. It's... <laughs> but, yeah, I I think it's it's partially, um, one, she's tired. Remember, she says she hasn't slept, but I here's the part that got me. Does she remember that she hadn't slept? Because there's a thing that she says to a coworker that took me aback when she said, what's happening in the world? And her coworker was like, what? Kind of an incredulous look. And how much of Lois's memory was erased with this kiss? I wondered does, about that for a long time. Does she remember that a group of supervillains punched a hole in the wall of the Daily Planet building and that all of her coworkers saw this happen? <laughs> good, that, good question. <laughs> is it the entirety of the last few days? Is this like a certain sort of event? So does she remember that she knew who Clark was but doesn't now? Are you like, oh, I think I went on a date with Superman and then I was kidnapped? and Or is it just like this entire span of time just like, you know, control X gone? Because <laughs> it seems like, it's, seems like it's gone. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the fact that she doesn't, when she asks that question, it's like she literally has forgotten this movie. Yeah, so what story is she writing? (laughs) I mean, if if the kiss is really what does what it's supposed to do, she remembers nothing all the way up until just before Clark tripped over that bearskin rug. All of it's gone. Oh, man, that's a lot of lost time because she was in a different country. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and that's before they knew anything about Zod and company because they were, you know, they didn't know until they were in the diner and after Clark got beat up by Rocky. So, um, yeah, so they have, she has no knowledge of the Phantom Zone villains taking over the Earth. So, yeah. <laughs> now she and does know who Clark is, so. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the story that Perry White would want her to write. I was kidnapped by General Zod. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Clark may have set her back, set her back her career. You know, maybe that's why she's in Superman 3. We don't, you know, we don't see much of her. Maybe because she's kind of been <laughs> kicked, kicked down the the uh, totem pole of important reporters for the daily planet because of a good blackout, you know, that is some impressive <laughs> retconning, Chris, really. <laughs> we, we're, the one scene we're not seeing in this movie is, is uh, Lois walking into Perry's office and going, what the hell happened in here? And they're all looking at her like, what's the matter with you? How do you not know what happened? Like, it's, what, what happened to the back wall of your office? Perry's like, Lois, what's the problem with you? Yeah. It's, it is a uh, very curious uh, as to exactly how this super kiss is supposed to work. Now, Chris, of course you pointed out in the previous episode that this does not, this is not the screenwriter's invention. There was a no. super memory forgetting kiss from an old 60s Superman comic. So it is somewhat, you know, based on the comic books. If, uh, if really hardly anybody knows that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's canon. You know, uh, E. Nelson Bridlewell was like clapping when he saw this, you know, yay. You know, so, uh. <laughs> but we shouldn't, we shouldn't get too picky about this sort of stuff because just making up random powers for Superman, that, is the Superman tradition. I mean, half of the powers he has um, are just powers that they just go, okay, we need him to put out a fire. So how is he going to do that? And they give him a superpower and some of them stick and some of them don't. I've seen some weird Superman powers over the years. So this is just classic silver age. So I don't know, you know, in a weird way, is this any stranger than when he's like fixing the Great Wall of China or by staring at it with his masonry vision? Or it, 
I've seen some weird Superman stuff. So, I mean, it's just kind of like, okay, well, maybe Mason Revision didn't work out and no other writer <laughs> wanted to use that. But that could be like a, a plot point of a major Superman story if somebody had bothered to use it. But I don't think anyone wants to use the quest for peace that way. <laughs> no, I, no, no one does. No one, no but one it could have been. It could have been. I mean, why not? Um, I one thing I really like about this if, is how um, Christopher Reeve kind of does those transition scenes. We, you guys have talked about the moment earlier on in the film where he takes his glasses off and immediately he's Superman with a change of his posture and his face expression, and he does the opposite of that in this moment, where you get to see him kind of transition back into nerdy Clark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And he gets a stiff posture. Um, one thing I like that he does as Clark is you can tell he doesn't know what to do with his hands. So he's kind of like awkwardly swinging one of them around on the side. And I mean, there's just this dorky prism that he shoots everything through. And that's not just his sort of nasally voice that he adds to it. Like when, Everyone is like, hey, Lois, are you okay? He's like, oh, breathe, Lois, breathe. And he's moving his arms like yeah, he's playing yeah. an accordion. <laughs> yeah. And it's like little things like that. It's like, how do I do this in the dorkiest, awkward way that I possibly can? And I think that I just love the choices that Christopher Reeve always makes as Nerdy Clark. And I think this isn't just that Christopher Reeve likes to play Nerdy Clark more. I think Superman likes to play Nerdy Clark more. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good point. Yeah, I think he. I mean, he, he. Yeah, I think he enjoys it. I think he enjoys the the act. It seems like he does. You know, because he 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 puts a lot into it. You know, he's he's totally committed. He Superman is a method actor. You know, basically. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Normally, this is the thing with method acting is normally it's just an excuse for an actor to be a jerk to his castmates. But <laughs> I, I kind of like true. that that Clark just goes all in on just being kind of a really polite doormat. Yeah. Is that he's, yeah? He'll he'll go all the way across town to get her a hamburger because it's just part of the character, and uh, he'll he'll walk in and basically just it's sort of like he preactively victims, not bullies, but victims people where he's just like oh oh, oh hi oh oh okay, <laughs> and it's like they haven't done anything, but he's just kind of created an interaction with this person oh oh hi, oh okay yeah uh, yeah. Um, yeah I. I love his nerdy Clark Kent and um, it's just these little choices that he makes throughout. And uh, my God, I, I, Christopher Reeve, we didn't deserve him. Right. Uh, true enough. True enough. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So as Clark leaves, Lois cutely asks, isn't he nice? Just the words a man wants to hear from the woman he loves, you know, that's, <laughs> you know, it's like, and he wants her to, you know, I mean, he's still, at this point, like, boy, I really wish he'd just, you know, like me for Clark to a point. But even though Clark's an act, but yeah, so I thought that was that was kind of cute. Of course, now with the way the relationship is, who knows what it's too soon to go back to that just yet, obviously. But yeah, I thought that was that's obviously the last thing you want to hear from a woman you're interested in. He's <laughs> nice. <laughs> and notice Louine doesn't answer because you know, she's very snooty and dismissive of Clark. Of course, we know Louine doesn't like nice guys. She likes non. Yeah, she's disappointed uh, that Zod didn't, didn't take over, clearly. Right, right. Yeah, she wants to be dominated by a brain-dead man-god, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> so, so, so there you go. <laughs> hey, everybody's got a type. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, 
so now we're getting to, I think, our mics on this episode. Then we cut to a familiar locale, and uh, why don't you tell them where we're at, Mike? Oh, we're back at uh, Don's Diner. I believe this is still in Canada. I mean, it's hitchhiking distance from the Arctic Circle, I guess. Uh, but, I mean, distance, who knows? I mean, the sec- it's one thing to go there as Superman. It's another thing to walk there. Um, so this is the, the scene of the crime that we had earlier on when Superman first lost his powers. And I, I'm going to try to figure out what the deal is with Rocky here because – he seems to be immune to all laws of God and man because <laughs> he threw a human being through a window the last time we saw him in this diner. Um, what does it take to get banned from Don's diner? I wondered Don's that diner? myself. I put that on my notes. I was like, they allowed – he didn't just cause a commotion. He smashed a glass door and physically assaulted another customer. Like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> yeah, I've worked enough customer service jobs that – I don't know. Maybe Canada is just more tolerant than we are. And I know that's a fact, but there's a point where we're well beyond, sir, we don't want you coming back. And he physically assaulted two customers at the location and they didn't even pay for the damages. Because remember, the, the Ron actually says this place, I just fixed it up. It cost me a fortune and it gets pushed away by his face. And it's I don't know who this guy is. I don't know if he has mob ties. I don't know if he runs this town, if he like is his own little mini General Zod, where people fear this guy because they seem to. Either that or people are so polite in Canada. I mean, we could ask Siskoid about this, that we just like, you know what? If we're nice to him long enough, maybe he'll he'll reciprocate. And uh, by the way, that doesn't work. Uh, so... <laughs> So this guy is is having, in his own words, a second plate of garbage. When uh, not uh, not the not the Clark Kent we saw last time, but Metropolis Clark steps in and calls this guy out in the dorkiest way possible. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. Uh, he comes in with, and you guys have have said that uh, the thing about Superman Two is is incredibly quotable. And I I admit that I don't like Superman Two as much as Superman the movie. But I think what separates Superman 2 is that you have these incredible line deliveries in it, um, mostly by Terrence Stamp, who says some amazing things. Oh, yeah. And I really Ooh. sum this movie up in two different lines that I love. Uh, and not the two lines that you guys have mentioned. Uh, one of them is Terrence Stamp saying, why do you say this to me when you know I will kill you for it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there's this line, uh, which I may put up there with not just one of the best Superman lines, but one of my favorite lines in cinema ever. I just, I love it so much and I love its delivery. Uh, Clark calls him out as Metropolis nerdy Clark with, gee, that's funny. I've never seen garbage eat garbage before. (laughs) (laughs) And it turns into one of those old West things. I mean, only thing you don't have is the guy suddenly stopped playing the piano. <laughs> Where people hold their their plate of food just a little bit closer to them, and you hear them kind of scramble away <laughs> because they know that this place is it's it's almost like an old west where they expect somebody to get thrown out the front window again. Right, and you just and I I love it. I love this line delivery because 
this is Clark kind of letting the mask slip a little bit. Like, he knows he's never coming back to this diner again. <laughs> so it's okay if people get to see Clark be a bit more assertive and get to see Clark uh, exhibit his powers a little bit. Because they're just kind of, I mean, but most of them, it's kind of like that scene in Star Trek Four where Spock pinches that guy on the bus. Right. Yeah. yeah. People are just so grateful that they're not going to bring up the weirdness of what just happened. Right. 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 Good. Good. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Mike, your your, your whole idea, you really set my mind spinning now because now I'm picturing like a prequel series about this town in Canada that's run by this iron, you know, with this iron fist Rocky. And it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's like a crime thriller. It's like walking tall, but before yeah. Superman shows up, you know, like that's the whole, it's a, it's a crime drama. Like on HBO, I really, if they can do Krypton, we can do Don's diner as a show. I mean, why not? <laughs> is, is Rocky, a, is Rocky a trucker? Is that what we already see? Just a local, I mean, does he? Is he a trucker that passes through? That's kind of what I always. I got. think he's he, a trucker because in the in the previous scene we hear like the air brakes. Oh of, yeah, so uh, and, and the waitress Wonderful. says, "Here comes Mr. Wonderful." So I imagine yeah. that he's a trucker, and now he's yeah. pulling into town. I, I will say one thing that's confused me: the first shot we see of Rocky sitting at the counter, right, and in the in the back is the infamous uh, door to the uh, to the to the bathroom. But if yeah. you look on the door, it says restroom. And then above the door, there's a sign that says washroom. Wait, okay. Like, why, why, why are there two signs with the same thing? I don't understand. Well, you know, maybe it's just written in two different languages. <laughs> I mean, Canada is polite that way. Maybe yeah, like, so. You know, know, people use different parlance, and they're just kind of like, oh, okay, that's, that's the washroom. Yeah. And they, you know, you might as well. But yeah, it just—I it's so bizarre. Um, what I love about this scene is that um, it's basically the world's nerdiest Popeye cartoon, <laughs> where Clark kind of walks. Oh, I love it! I love this scene so much. Is that it? Isn't it? Isn't Superman that kicks this guy's ass? It's nerdy Clark. And you just get to see him stand at the end of the, uh, the this long, thin diner. It's sort of like that, like the the train car, right in the middle of the aisle. You know, with the nerdy, awkwardly straight Clark posture, his hands folded in front of him, his glasses are a little bit uneven on his nose, and he's like, um, uh, "Excuse me, sir, I, I think you're sitting in my favorite seat." You, you and then he to... pushed. Oh, I love it. I he love can... it. And and when the guy calls him out, he pushes his glasses up as Clark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a call back to what was said, you know, in the previous encounter and uh and you know, Rocky's response to come and get it four eyes. So uh yeah, I mean that's it's it's history is repeating itself, but I, I I'm with you, Mike. I love the fact that 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 when Superman slash Clark decided to come back here, he came back as nerdy Clark, he is, seems nervous and timid to a point, but he's also, it's like the nerd that's decided to take a stand. Yeah. The nerd that's not, he's not, even if he wasn't Superman, this is Clark Kent standing up for himself, you know? And I, and I like that because it, you know, it, as he's walking toward Rocky, Rocky's thinking, I took care of this guy before. I can definitely take him now. Look at him. He's, you know, he's shaking. He's, you know, he's even nerdier acting than he was last time, you know, because he, he wasn't putting on the act so much then. You know, he was just being polite, you know, and casual as, as you know, Gap Clark, is, as, as I think Rob <laughs> called it. So yes. uh, he just put the glasses on, but he had his Gap outfit, which he's got that back on here. He's got the same outfit. He does. He's got the black he does. pants. Yep. The, yep. 
did he go to the fortress and you know and, and go inside the chamber and just turn off the you know take away powers and just the the, the wardrobe selector i don't know you know I don't. <laughs> there's so many switches but, you can throw in that thing right right he's got the tan jacket on he kind of looks like the jacket kind of looks like something david banner would wear when he's hitchhiking you know yeah, so exactly, yeah uh yeah <laughs> so uh yeah i mean it's i love the but yeah it's so great that this is he's not coming in all chest puffed out and He's actually disarming Rocky to a point because Rocky's thinking, you know, it, it, this is less than a minute stake this time, you know. Yep. So. Yeah. <laughs> He's giving him every opportunity to be nice, too. If he showed up as Superman, the guy's attitude would change. Yes. You're not going to try to take a swing at Superman. But he's just like, okay, let's see if you try to bully me, bully me again. And he doesn't take the first punch. He just stands there and waits for it. Yeah. And this this Foley effect they have of him punching, that sounds awful. That that sounds like it sounds like all sorts of celery being snapped when he punches him. <laughs> well, we've, because, we've we've established that uh, the ADR people were really good at doing hand snapping in this movie because just a couple of minutes minutes ago we heard Zod's hand get turned to pulp. So they they were really good at that. I mean, this guy has a paw now, so he, <laughs> I mean, he, he drives a double clutch, so he's not going to be able, to, I mean, Uber doesn't exist yet, so he's probably going to have to call a cab to go home, because that, <laughs> that sounded really bad. He's not going to be able to drive that, that semi-truck anymore. Right, when the, right. When, when we get that establishing shot, though, of where Clark walks in, the camera pans from right from left to right, and we we you know we see Rocky in the foreground and Clark's way in the background. You practically can hear the Ennio Morricone music, you know. Yeah. Na, 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 and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> there's the big battles about to happen." I love. Yeah. By the way, I and I love pointing these out in these episodes is that opening sh- that not the opening shot, but the first shot where we get where it's a close up of of Clark. If you look over Clark's shoulder, there's a really nice matte painting. Of like the strip, uh, uh-huh. you see like a business. Like they really could have just put a black piece of paper back there, and would have been like, "Oh, it's at night. It doesn't matter." But I actually like they made the effort to like make it look like a real place, and you see like a truck in the background. Like it's it gives it an extra little piece of verisimilitude. I really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. And I think you even see some people walking walking past the window too. So it, I mean, it actually looks like. Like if you look down, they're like walking in the the like lower right corner of the window. So it's actually it's actually got some depth to it too. So it's not just you know uh, the 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 mat must be like you know what they put in behind. It's 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 not like right up against the window or the background or whatever they've got back there. So it, it's nice. Yeah. One thing I want to point out too is I just I just want to ask this question: How fast are the contractors in Canada that? <laughs> That they fixed up the diner this quickly. Mike brought up the fact that Ron says, I just had this place fixed up. It cost me a fortune. And then he shoves him away by his face, which is awful. But it's like, how many days has it been? Like three or four days max? I mean, it's not been that long because Clark immediately started hitchhiking to the fortress. And we got the line from, you know, Zod and Ursa. It's like, you know, he's like, she's like, you're the master of all you survey as I was the day before and the day before that. Well, that was like, what, two or three days? So, and then it all started happening, boom, boom, boom. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I've had, like, you know, I've had leaks in the house. I've had all, and I've had to call the insurance company. You get adjuster out. I mean, we, we've been out, out, out of the house for like two weeks at a time, you know? So it's like, 
they got this stuff done in less than a week and they're in the freaking Arctic Circle. So it's like <laughs> they got some good contractors up there. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Never really thought of that, Chris, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess maybe Rocky has a few friends or something. I don't know. It's a good, it does look, and it does look, uh, Quite, quite, uh, you know, back to normal. And of course, the at some point they installed these benches that spin ten feet in the air, which seems like a, not a great idea to have. I mean, you, you never know. I mean, somebody. I mean, Vern Troyer could eat there. So, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's kind of. I just I forgot that these stools existed again until I saw this scene, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that's the way they adjust themselves. But it's just a wonderful kind of Popeye move that you very could use Popeye. on somebody. Yeah, it just yeah. like spin them around all the way up, and um, yeah, just a, a nice bit of super strength, super speed there, and um, it's it's a lot more fun if you can defeat somebody in the dorkiest way possible. <laughs> it's it, it's the whole Clark brand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so just I know everybody knows this minute, but yeah. So Clark, after Rocky, you know, destroys his hand on Clark's stomach, Clark picks him up. Uh, Clark spins him around on the stool at super speed, and you get this nice effect of him spinning around, and the stool gets higher as he as he as he gets to closer to the counter, and then Clark picks him up by the collar, and I love this part, sets him in a tray of food, <laughs> adding to the humiliation, and even turns his legs around. That's what I like. He even he even moves his legs around so his legs are parallel with the the counter so they're running with the same with the counter and what does he say uh mike oh this order's to go and he says <laughs> it with, with his finger up in a very dorky clark kind of way i love it he's just <laughs> he keeps the clark clark body language and voice so i love it and just pushes the pushes him and this tray all the way down the counter uh into that poor pinball machine <laughs> uh I, oh, that pinball machine looks great. Yeah. But yeah, he goes right into there. I I love that. Um, what I and this is the thing too that I I think makes Christopher Eve work. There are things that, especially because we're in the age at this point of of movies like Serpico, and you know, there's a lot of dark gritty stuff. People forget when they talk about these movies. Oh, well, we can't do, you know classic Superman, you know, that was a different time. It's like, no, it was actually pretty gritty and dark in a lot of movies <laughs> back then. Um, what makes Superman work and what makes all of this work is just the sincerity that you never doubt Christopher Reeve at any point in his performance. And I, I love it. This is classic sort of Silver Age, um, wonderful moment. Just slide the guy across. Uh, that one guy is still, like, he's eating soup or spaghetti or something. It's spaghetti, as, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as, uh, as Rocky slides by on the counter past him. Yeah, he picks and, it up. He picks his plate up and keeps eating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, it's, it's just so wonderfully dorky. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah. It's, oh, and it's, it just, this is a scene that just makes me happy. Um, yeah. I could watch it a thousand times, not just the line delivery, but even just the way that Clark at the beginning of it says, I've never seen garbagey garbage before. There's the kind of weird awkwardness to how he says the bees. I've never seen garbagey garbage before. <laughs> yeah. And, it's it's that that delivery is part of the reason this always sticks with me is I just love the idea of essentially Superman in nerd drag showing up 
and getting revenge on a bully. I mean, yeah. that never gets old because, I mean, that's always what Superman is, is he's the anti-bully. And it's what yeah. all of us would do if we had those powers. I mean, yeah. it really is the greatest wish fulfillment in the world. That I mean, I would be microwaving people's insides. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to admit that, right? I'm sure, I would, I would, I would be exacting much more harsh revenge on certain people. But Rob uh, but, would be Lightburn instead of Superman. The movies, yeah. He's oh, to yeah, absolutely. Yes, that's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, what two things about this scene before we we move on to the next thing? But I mean, well, first of all, I love the reverse shot of everybody looking at Rocky as he's sitting in the the pinball machine, and the waitress looks delighted. She's yeah. actually smiling, which I love it, because she doesn't like, I guess, you would think the other guy would be happy too, but she looks delighted. But the one little detail that I maybe wish had been in this, and, and you guys can say that's too, too far, would it have been funny if the pinball machine had been a Superman pinball machine? Because, we, of course, we know those existed, Chris, because we talked yes. to our friend Dick Donner about that very Superman pinball machine, which appears in his next film, Inside Moves. So, right, exactly. Would it have been too far? Would that have been too too ham handed <laughs> to have it be a Superman pinball machine? It, it's right on that line. All it's right. right on the line. Um, and Clark does offer to pay. He gives he him a, a stack of bills. Yep. Uh, yeah. To to sorry about the damage kind of moment. And what I love in this is he says, uh, "I've." Uh, been uh, working out and he does the oh. dorkiest bench press motion with his hands i love it he, he just a little and then he glances past the owner to where rocky is in the geography of the scene but he's also looking right at the camera uh-huh. yeah. and he has this little knowing smile and it kind of reminds me of those old superman comics that end with him winking at the reader right yeah yeah i, I, I i've got to say the uh, oh i've been um um, working out that that is my father's absolute favorite moment in any superhero movie that has been quoted in my household for 40 years uh or nearly 40 years i mean he still brings it up i mean it just if, if anybody lifts anything or you know impressively or something that's the response around here from you know oh, i've been uh, working out you know that, that's, <laughs> i mean, I mean it, it's just it's part of our uh, lexicon or vernacular, whatever you want to call it. It just, it, it's permeated the entire family. Uh, I passed it on to my kids, you know, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it goes it's right there with, you know, when somebody gets someplace ahead of somebody else, how'd you get here so fast? I ran, you know, that type of thing from, <laughs> from the first movie. And, and I, I just love it. And one other thing I love is that, you know, you're talking about a Popeye cartoon, Mike, and that you totally hit the nail on the head because, Rocky goes into that pinball machine, and whatever kind of pinball, it's like some kind of Western-themed pinball machine. There's a horse that's oh. kicking Rocky in the head. That is the equivalent of cartoon birds yes. swirling, swirling around Rocky's head. I mean, it's, oh. you know, you can just... You know, as they, as they go, you know, I mean, you could just, you could just see it. I mean, it's, and his eyes are crossed. He's, you know, he's got, he's almost got his tongue sticking out. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. But I, I do have to ask this now, guys. I, this is something I never thought of, and I didn't encounter until probably I got online. Which, you know, all the evil things that come with being online. But uh, the. Uh, <laughs> There are some people that don't like this scene at all. They say yeah. it makes Superman into a bully himself. It's 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 wrong for Superman to abuse his powers to personally satisfy his his pride, you know, and so on. 
I totally disagree. What do you guys think? Oh, I don't think he's being a bully. I think that Superman is one confronting somebody who violently assaults people, apparently on a regular basis, and he doesn't take a swing at him no more than he would any bank robber. I mean, there's a scene in the first movie where he lands in front of these thieves, and one of them hits him in the back of the head with a with a crowbar. And, uh, I mean, he lets him take that swing. He doesn't have to take the swing at this guy. Um and yeah, it's it's no more than he would do to somebody else where he doesn't really hurt the guy. I mean, this isn't like, you know, a neck snap, uh, you know, because <laughs> Super, Superman would never do that. But uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of cartoon violence, but it's the sort where the guy just is loopy at the end, like you said, with the birds flying around his head. It's not a guy who, like in the first fight they had, which was treated you know, dead seriously where Clark is bleeding and it's like something from reservoir dogs. Yeah. Um, this is, this isn't like a Joe Pesci beat down. Um, this is a guy who is regularly violent to customers. Um, you know, Hey, I just fixed this place up sort of thing. This is a guy right out of a cartoon of the old West getting his, and there's nobody in this diner that has a problem with what just happened. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, can't. he's knocking he's knocking the guy down a couple of pegs, uh, a couple of Winnipegs. Uh, yeah, well, uh, <laughs> channeling Doctor Ange there. No, I mean, uh, I just think he can't be everywhere, and he happened to stumble into this local town, and he sees that this guy is clearly out of control. So why not, after this, make him a little chuffed where he he won't act this way anymore? So. I think it's perfectly acceptable. I mean, would you maybe want to see the uber-ripped Henry Cavill do this? I don't know. That might be a little frightening. But kind of technically, do- technically, Man of Steel had a similar scene. To oh, that's, this. True. Yeah. Uh, that's true. That's true. That what do you do with a bully in a diner in the middle of nowhere? And I would say this is a much more measured response than the Man of Steel version of it. Right. Yeah. Um, that's a, the, I don't want to rag on Man of Steel too much, but but. It, you, you're not giving away anything if Henry Cavill throws you out of a diner. That guy is like three of me. So there's, <laughs> not, it's, 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 there's nothing that's unrealistic about Henry Cavill being able to take out the trash with or without superpowers. Um, that, yeah. So, yeah, I, I have no problem with this. I always thought that the people who would have the biggest problem with this are what uh, my friend Greg Hatcher. Uh, refers to as people that are still fighting the Adam West fight (laughs) that, you know, in the 1980s, we were in a really weird place with superheroes that I think we were kind of at peak insecurity (laughs) in in how we kind of treated the stuff that we liked, that we didn't want to be laughed at and we just demanded that things be taken very seriously. And I always sort of assumed that the people that didn't like this scene didn't like it because they thought it was silly. Mm. And I'm fine with silly and frivolous. I think it, that was a long, dark place that it took nerds a long time to get out of. Uh, because it's sort of like we finally, in the last decade or so, have rediscovered, you know, Batman the TV show is actually pretty awesome. And yeah. we love Adam West. And not everything has to be serious and that we like whimsy. And I think that scenes like this come back big time and people rediscover and go, you know what? I like when Superman is willing to get a little bit silly and a little bit whimsical. And not everything has to be, you know, red eyes of anger. 
<laughs> yeah, you know, and, and I always thought, you know, and, and if you go historically, if you want to back this up, this is a very Siegel and Schuster-like moment of Superman being the champion of the oppressed. You know, he's going back into this little town, and he's taking out the guy that's, you know, bullying all these people. It's like, you know, the him taking care of the wife beater in, like, the very first Superman story, right? You know, I mean, it's, it, in a way, it, in a lot of ways, it's like that. And it just popped in my head, you know, we it's been so long since I've seen the TV cut or the international cut of this film. But if I remember right, when Clark, there is a scene, and if somebody, people listen to this, are like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, just let me know. But I think... There is a scene as Clark is walking out of the planet after Lois asked him to go get her a burger and some orange juice. He bumps into a guy in the hallway that's like, hey, watch where you're going, buddy, or something like that. And that's what clicks in Clark's head. Hey, I need to go take care of that Rocky guy. And then yeah. then you and then you're at the then you're at the diner. So oh, that's wow. the little that's huh. the little bridge. If I remember right, I could be making this up in my addled mind, but I think <laughs> I think I'm correct in that. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is the the wonderful wonderful diner scene that I love, and I know Mike loves, and I think Rob loves as well. Oh, I, I do. I love it. Yeah, it's great. I think we all love it. Is there anything else we want to say about the diner scene before we move on, fellas? <laughs> I love how much we've examined it. We've spent 40 minutes on just this one scene. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the best part of the movie. <laughs> Mike's got his jeweler's loop out. He's, in, he's just examining this down to the microscopic level. It's fantastic. Yeah. I just want to believe that after this this scene plays out, that Rocky is like really gun-shy about picking on anyone, that any one person could be secretly superhumanly strong. And he's especially afraid of nerds. <laughs> <laughs> this just this wrecks the rest of his life. It's like you know, it's like you know, Biff in Back to the Future. He gets beaten up by one nerd in high school, and he just becomes this like simpering, scared man for the rest of his life who won't stick <laughs> up to anybody. This is just a moment that just breaks a human being. It's it's like if Clark stuck around, you'd have a completely different dynamic where this guy would be like Clark's butler. <laughs> He'd be waxing his car. I already put one. I put two coats of wax on, Mr. Kent. <laughs> it's just in his head at all times. Oh, don't hit me, Mr. Kent. Of course, if this was a Superman comic, Rocky would lose his hand due to the injury and then get a robotic hand and become a supervillain. So that's how oh. I would play. Oh, Rocky's man. the new Metallo. Yep. There you go. My name will be Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> I love it. That's what. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so, so then we cut from the diner to a money shot that was used in a lot of promotional material of Superman flying, holding the American flag. As the theme swells, this is you know truth, justice, and the American way personified. In fact, this is the image they used when they did that uh, Superman 50th anniversary special that Lauren Michaels produced. When they used the voiceover and the music from the TV show, The Adventures of Superman. George Reeves TV show, but as they said, truth, justice, and the American way, they showed this scene. So, yeah, that's what this is. Uh, <laughs> uh, but as we pull out, we see that attached to the flagpole is the roof of the White House, which yeah. I'm not sure of the physics of that, but hey. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's well secured. I mean, he was picking that up by the flag, and everything was just staying on. So you're like, okay. You know, this is pretty resilient stuff. Maybe this will hold up a bit better before somebody crashes through it again. Right, right, right. 
Superman lands on the roof of the White House, which apparently has had a sunroof ever since Zod and crew trashed the place. So, oh, so much for security. So the, co- the contractors in the White House are worse than the contractors on the diner. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I mean, I mean, come on. The White House cannot get itself repaired in the amount of time that a diner does in in a lot in Canada, I guess. So, Oh my gosh, that's a good point. Wow. That's <laughs> things are so much better in Canada. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's like healthcare. This, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah everything's better. Everything's oh man. Better. <laughs> yeah. If, if this had been uh, the Canadian prime minister, this would have been fixed by now. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. They have that down to a science up there. <laughs> Justin Trudeau, can you hear me? Justin Trudeau. <laughs> By the way, speaking speaking of leaders, uh, that that guy we see from the back is clearly not E.G. Marshall. He's supposed no. to be the president, and we see Superman saying, "Hello, Mister. You know, good morning, Mister President." But that is clearly a stand-in. That's you can just tell by the build that is not E.G. Marshall. They're not. They did so that either they knew they were never going to show him, and they couldn't get E.G. Marshall, or they just never planned to do that anyway. And they're like, "I will just, you know, we won't give him a line, so it won't make a difference." Uh, you could do a no prize in that moment, though, and just say that the other president was impeached for you know re- <laughs> surrendering to Zod so quickly. In three days, Mike? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're just like, you know what? Because people turn on, on people pretty fast in this movie. Earlier on, they're rooting for Superman until he runs away from a thing that anyone would run away from. <laughs> and then it's ah, like, hey, you bum, what are you doing? What are you doing, Superman, you coward? And it's like, it's like they probably did that to the president president too yeah people are pretty <laughs> fickle in this world yeah yeah i mean that's true i mean they probably i mean i bet you he didn't get if he if he didn't get impeached he didn't get reelected. it's like oh yeah well he's the one to surrender to zod you know and all that yeah so <laughs> it's like he could shoot fire out of his eyes what do you want me to do <laughs> he had levitating finger powers <laughs> yeah oh my god i mean did you see the guy's widow's peak he was scary <laughs> it yeah, I just I can't blame the president for the for for turning you know go whoa yeah that's too much for me but geez you know the, the people in this world man they are they'll turn on you fast yeah, that's true <laughs> uh, but I, I think we can well maybe we can't assume maybe it's not the same president but Superman he uh, you know as Rob said he says good afternoon Mr President uh, and then he says the line that everybody that's listened to this podcast has heard like twenty four times by now that's right so, yeah. <laughs> Because we close with it every episode. Uh, so he says, sorry, I've been gone so long. I won't let you down again. And he looks up reverently as, at the flag as we as we come to another as another scene. So I, I thought that uh, that's 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 a nice bit of, uh, you know, Superman, the yeah, truth, justice in the American way, uh, which was, of course, now we kind of try to downplay the American way part. And <laughs> But, you know, back then it was all – everybody was all patriotic and, you know, so, uh, so yeah. But uh, we then get a variation of the end of Superman the movie with Superman in orbit above the Earth. He's flying toward the camera and he smiles at us as Superman should always do as a movie ends. And then the credits begin. So any last thoughts on those little bits before we start talking about the credits, guys? Is that shot of him looking at the camera the same footage from the end of the first movie? Or is it just, you know, a new take? Cause I, I, I think can't... in the first movie he doesn't move his one arm up. Okay. He keeps yeah, both arms. You're right. You're right. Both arms, like, 
behind him, basically so at his, his shoulders. Down. All right, so it's meant to mimic the the shot, but it's not the exact same footage. Yeah, I think when they, I think if I remember right, they shot like I think it was they were all shot at the same time. It's just a different. Yeah. Okay, that's Makes the sense. way I took it too. I I just assumed that. When they were, they have Christopher Reeve up in the harness. You might as well do several takes of him. And I'm just gonna say, knowing that he's basically hanging from wires, uh, he just makes that work. And especially because we have people in other harnesses to compare him to, he is so good at making flying look natural. Oh yeah. Uh, changing his posture, banking, moving his arms, where uh, the the Phantom Stone villains tend to fly the way I would, which is that you don't know if this is going to last forever. You're just kind of like, I got to brace myself a little bit because I might fall. Um, so, yeah, there's there's something that, that Christopher Reeve was just born to play this character, and, and every aspect of it, he just knocks out of the park, including... I mean, the look at the camera, the the smile, um, there's just a sincerity that just radiates from him. And I know you guys have talked about this before, is that almost anybody could look ridiculous in this costume. <laughs> but, but it never feels strange on him. It just feels, of course he's wearing that, that he's Superman. Mm-hmm. It never. There's no insecurity in his performance. There's There's nothing about it where he looks awkward. He just looks like Superman, and that sort of confidence just sort of radiates out from him and makes everything feel so effortless. And yeah. I, I love Christopher Reeve, and just watching these scenes again just reminds me just like, we did not deserve this guy. And the <laughs> fact that he was this no-name guy who got this role, they were just so unbelievably lucky. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. They tell a story, and I've been actually pretty good lately about not uh, referring to the commentary track because I tend to really lean on the that commentary track between Donner and Mankiewicz. But they talk about, I think it was Mankiewicz, where they had said that they had seen a thousand guys, you know, to come in to play Superman, and none of them were right, and they were getting really discouraged because they were just like, oh, "How are we going to cast this?" And then he, they, they said that they watched. They, you know, they did the screen test where uh, where Superman lands on Lois's patio and he says, "Good evening, Miss Lane," and he jumps down. And they said there was something about the way he did it that the ca- I think they I think it was Mankiewicz said the camera operator looked over at Mankiewicz and looked at and they looked at each other and they were like, "Oh shit, we think this is the guy." <laughs> they knew it yeah. in that moment. They're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they said they, apparently like everybody in that moment were like. Nope, we got him. That's it. We, this is the guy. It's like I can't imagine how we're leaving. That must have been. Just been oh, okay. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, the the fact that I mean, Christopher Reeve. You know, how many different articles, you know, interviews and articles you read where he said the way he approached the character. I mean, and, and Superman says in the first movie, he you know, Superman is he approached the character as as a friend. You know, as you know, this is this is what this guy's here to be, and this is. I mean that. That sincere, open friendliness, you know, radiates from him. The, the the fact that he, you know, fully accepted the fact that okay, this guy, this is what this guy wears. It's not, it's not a costume. I'm not a guy in a costume. I'm Superman. This is the this is what I wear when I'm Clark Kent. This is what I wear. This is how I act. Uh, the fact that he fully embraced it. I, I mean, that's what separates these films. I mean, Christopher Reeve itself, because, I mean, you know, the films, the quality of the films, you know, declines <laughs> with each film. 
uh, in my opinion. I know a lot of people like this one. Uh, a few of our friends like this one more than the first one. But I feel like film-wise, the, the quality of the films decline. The performance of Christopher Reeve never declines, even even in Superman 4, which is, in my opinion, almost unwatchable. And I know Rob thinks it's completely unwatchable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's Christopher Reeve is still – it's still – worth suffering through the rest of that really badly made film occasionally to watch his performance because he is excellent in that he's he's fully committed to that part and i'm not sure there's there's hardly i don't know if there's been an actor that was more solidly committed and consistent across the series of films as as christopher reeve was and these i mean maybe you know uh like we said chris evans is is captain america uh you know but you know he you know it it the, the quality of those films <laughs> were never slipped. You know, they, they kept they kept the same consistent. Some people think, of course, got better as, as he went along, and he went out on a high. You know, if he's done, he went on a hell of a high as, uh, as Captain America. So, or Robert Danny Jr. as Iron Man. So, but Christopher Reeve, the, you know, the, the ground was like, you know, coming out from underneath him, and he still... He was still steady the whole time. He still gave a fantastic performance. Not to be a, a bummer, but can you imagine what it would have been like if Christopher Reeve was still with us and they could have given him a chance to play like the kingdom come Superman at like one last oh, bite at that, oh. the way they're doing it over on TV now with Brandon Routh oh. and Linda Carter. Oh, Can you imagine the nerd, the nerd heads exploding if they had said, guess what? We have got Christopher Reeve to come back at age, whatever he would have been like 67, 68, you know, to be like one last bite at that apple to play Superman again. Oh my God. Oh. People would have been weeping openly in the theaters. Oh. Oh yeah, I mean they would have had to gone theatrical with that thing if they did. That. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, I you, yeah, that had to have been a movie. You could never, you could not contain that in a television. No, yeah. no, I'm, yeah. Oh yeah, it's it. I mean, just yeah. I mean, because you know, there's there's quite a bit of of, of Christopher Reeve and, and Alex Ross as Superman as well, of course. Yeah. And yeah. and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, just I mean, it is. And, and I mean, do you, and if you you know, Carrie Bates wrote a script for. Uh, a Superman five that's that, right. you know, was supposed to have Christopher Reeve and, and, you know, have Brainiac introduce Brainiac and it sounded awesome. And it's just like, Oh God, if they'd only made that, it's just, Oh, it's so, it's so it let him, let him go out on a high, do one more good film, you know, let uh, him, let him go out on, on top. It's just, I've, oh. I've made myself sad now. Why did I say that? Yeah. Too, <laughs> Why did I bring too. that up? <laughs> I, I also think Christopher Reeve is one of those actors that would have played this character forever. Uh, regardless of the quality of the movie, I think that he just loves being Superman. Um, I think they could have done kind of a James Bond thing, because, I mean, James Bond is a character that uh, goes through some low points sometimes, and they just, you give it another shot at it. I mean, there's kind of that roller coaster of, okay, this is really good. Okay, getting sillier, getting sillier, getting sillier. Okay, now we're serious again. Yeah. <laughs> And they could have had a moment like that after Superman four and kind of gone back to basics. And I think, I think he probably would have been willing to do that. But I think at the time Warner brothers was probably like, okay, we've ridden the Superman horse as hard as we can. It's like Batman time now. And his last one is like, like 87. It is so weird because, you know, time moves so much more slowly when you're young. And I was a kid when Superman four came out so it feels like there's 10 years between Superman 4 
and uh, Batman, but there really wasn't that much time. <laughs> it was like two years. Two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is insane. I, I don't even know how to process that. That was not that long. No. No. And they were and, just... And- yeah, go ahead, Mike. Oh, they were just whole hog on Batman at that point, and it's sad because I, I think that you know the market wasn't as big on superheroes at the time, so I'm pretty sure that Warner Brothers is probably thinking, okay, we're done with this. Now we do the other one. Where I think nowadays they just have two concurrent series. Yeah, I, I think Warner, and I think Warner Brothers, I think Warner Brothers really, in stupidly underestimated. Uh, their 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 library that they own via DC because I mean you know they they basically you know the Salkinds ran these films Warner Brothers just distributed it them I mean they gave them some money but then I mean they they, they let the Salkinds sell it off to Canon I mean that's amazing that's amazing I mean, yeah. why in the world didn't Warner Brothers just buy it back from them and say yeah we're, we we want to be in control of this. And, and push forward with their own films and, and, and put some money behind it. I mean, now we see – I mean, my God, the Marvel Cinematic Universe was built on a character at the time. Nobody but us are, uh, us nerds knew Iron Man. Yeah. Nobody outside – okay, you might have remembered the 90s cartoon or something. Okay, maybe. But you I thought Iron did. Man was a Black Sabbath song. You know, you didn't, <laughs> you didn't have any idea what it was, and it was built on the back of – of, of a character nobody knew. And a lot of people at the time were like, oh, yeah, they don't got Spider-Man, they got the X-Men. This isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, these guys, Warner Brothers, flubbed it with Superman. You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's it really short-sighted on their on their part, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating, because, I mean, Superman is the most well-known superhero character, period. And... After this series of movies ran out, it would be like almost twenty years until a Superman movie came out again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by that point, the Batman again, the Batman train had got off the the tracks at that point. And again, it's it's always kind of a descent into silliness is usually the point where they kind of pull the plug. And you know, for whatever reason, Superman Returns didn't lead to more Superman movies. But you know, there you go. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that eventually on the show. Oh, oh, good, 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 good. Speaking are, of which, our first credit, Rob, is coming soon. Superman three. There you go. <laughs> we are going to be. We're. I mean, we're not done with Superman two yet, but we are going to be doing Superman three movie minute at some point. So, yeah, I like uh, the Salkind's confidence. It's literally the first credit before the, even their own credit, because uh, yeah. then it says Alexander and Ilya Salkind production. But I, I kind of like that uh, that that confidence. It's kind of funny. Mike, you mentioned the James Bond films earlier. James Bond yes. always stuck their promo for the next movie at the end of the credits. They would they would mm-hmm. always do at the very end, you know, next year or coming soon for your eyes only, coming soon, Moonraker or whatever they did. But here, it's right at the top. It's like, boom, Superman yeah. 3. Don't worry, everybody. He'll be back soon. Like, oh, okay. Actually, Marvel's been doing that lately, too. Well, at the end of the credits, they'll say Thanos will return yep. in yep. Avengers Endgame. Right. Uh, or sometimes he will just – he will return. Um but yeah, I I kind of like that. It's just a neat little bit. Superman will return in Moonraker. And Non and Jaws can meet, so that then people will laugh. We said people will know that Non and Jack O'Halloran and and uh, um, oh god, I can't think of his name. Um, that played Jaws. Richard, Richard Keel. Richard, Richard Keel. Richard Keel aren't the same guy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
Oh, and I know you guys have, have talked about this being the, the shared cinematic universe between the Bond films, especially the Roger Moore Bond films. Yes, yes. Because they have that same tone. I could easily see, um, if you just swapped Superman out for James Bond in Moonraker, it would work pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Superman has to fly at super speed and to destroy all those pods at the end of the movie to stop, you know. Um, what is the name of the villain in that movie? Oh, I um, <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, he's the guy with the goatee who looks like a taller Peter Dinklage. Um, <laughs> true. Yeah, but, wow, that's good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, he, um, he has to destroy. That's such a Superman move, just flying around the world at superhuman speed to just stop this guy from wiping out humanity. It's it's a lot of and a lot of the same kind of humor would pop up in a lot of the. the oh, Roger oh the, the 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 pigeon double take from Moonraker would have fit in in Superman two very well. Oh, you could totally uh, yeah. see the pigeon doing a double take as uh, all the, the members of Metropolis are being blown around the city. That totally would have fit in. <laughs> I watched uh, Live and Let Die a few a uh, few weeks ago. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and there's there's Sheriff Pepper, man. It's yep. like, oh man, it's like I was telling my daughter, I'm like, that it's like, it's like, remember the sheriff and Superman? She's like, yeah, and she's like, oh, that's the same guy, and I'm yep. like, yep, and she's like. And she thought the same thing. She's like, wait a minute. Is he the same guy? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. You know, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's great. I love it. He did uh, one so, thing, but he did it well. He did. It's right. So I, I do notice in the credits that, uh, you know, we get to photograph by Jeffrey Unsworth, but then director of photography, Bob Paintner, uh, or Painter. Uh, so. Uh, so I, I like how they distinguish. That's how they distinguish the two works of of the cinematographers on this film. But oddly enough, of course, no credit for Richard Donner, even though there's a good chunk of what he directed in this film. You know, you think they'd get some like he'd get. You think they'd put some kind of consultant credit for him or something in here, like that they would have to put yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he I'm, gets nothing. <laughs> do you think that's probably because of some animosity? Oh, oh yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> but I, mean, I would, I would think that the DGA would have said, if you directed this much of the movie, you got to get your name in there somewhere. Yeah, right. I mean that's just a straight up rule they have, yeah, which is probably yeah. where they shot so much of this again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, I, they've said you know one reason why they did reshoot a lot of what Donner had shot was just so Lester could get the director credit. But even then, there is so much Donner in this film. Any scene with Gene Hackman was shot by. Uh, Richard Donner. So you think that alone would give him some kind of, even if it's some phony credit, like I said, like, you know, uh, you know, cons- you know, just a uh, special consultant uh, or special thanks to Richard Donner or something like that. Uh, you think he'd get something. He gets absolutely nothing, which is just well, ridiculous. Donner gave Tom Mankiewicz a special credit for that exact reason, because he right. rewrote most of the script for Superman, but he couldn't be credited for different reasons, and so he was given the creative. The, the Donner inserted the credit "creative consultant," which apparently angered mm. a bunch of people. But Donner was like, "Look, the script is mostly Mankiewicz, so he's going to get credit." So that's well, how it worked out. It's a miracle these movies were made, guys. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it really is. <laughs> uh, I I will say that I absolutely love that this movie brought back the John Williams theme song. Because even though John Williams himself couldn't come back to do the orchestration or the composition of it, uh, a lot of film franchises out there will just radically change the score 
uh, when the composer changes, that they'll get rid of all of the major themes. I mean, the, the Star Trek franchise with the original cast, the first movie is Jerry Goldsmith, and they create that theme that would later become the Next Generation theme. They get James Horner for two movies, and he comes up with two different main themes. So that that series was changing its theme every time, but then you get something like, again, mentioning it, James Bond, where you have this consistency. And so much of the Superman-Chris Reeve experience is that Superman theme. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad they would have had the, the easiest opportunity to just jettison all of it, and it would have just been this theme to the first movie. But, you know, so much of watching this movie is hearing you know the williams style score and what i love about the williams theme and i know my friend paul rue has said this to me as the metric for determining a good superman theme is that you need to be able to sing superman's name to it right. yeah <laughs> that and the superman theme by john williams has two different opportunities to sing superman's name there's the da 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 Superman and you know Superman da 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 da. Yep. <laughs> so when you have those musical cues and Superman's theme hits when he has a dramatic appearance, you can practically hear the song singing Superman. <laughs> and it's yep. I mean it's every kid sang that along to it. I mean that's pretty much the only lyric is if you can fit a character's name into it. And with Superman, it has that sort of tone. And I am so glad that, I don't know if it was the Salkinds or whoever, said, no, we need that theme back. Um, I I think it's great. And it just, it makes me watch the entirety of the credits, which I don't do with a lot of movies, because I just want to keep hearing the Superman theme. Right, uh, yeah. I think, I think Chris and I talked about this, where I said that if, if, if John Williams has, I, I would argue, the four crowns, the four jewels in the crown of John Williams's career, I would say, of, of his scores, are the Star Wars theme, the Jaws theme, the Superman theme, and the Raiders theme. And yeah, I, mean, I, I would say, of the four, I would give the slight nod to Superman in terms of what is his greatest theme. I would say it's this one. Because as you say, Mike, it literally says – not literally, but it, it you know metaphorically says Superman. You know, it just yeah. feels so much like what it's supposed to be. That I would say this is probably the man's greatest work as a film uh, composer. And that's saying something because the guy who's like the ultimate guy, he's probably the only film composer that the average person has heard of. Most yeah, people, yeah. most people, you know, the average person outside of movie nerds don't know who Michael Giacchino is, as great as he is, or, or yeah. Hans Zimmer. But I mean, John Williams, people know who John Williams is. Right. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. If they, and in fact, you know, this, when this, when this theme is not used, everybody's like, why didn't you just use the Williams thing? You know, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they use it in Superman Returns. They knew they couldn't come up with anything better than that. So they were like, all right, we're going to use it. Speaking of credits though, I am, you know, most of these credits are names we've seen before, but there's one thing that I'm a little confused by. Cause at one point it says second unit directors, David Tomlin and Robert Lynn. And we know second unit directors are the people that shoot, you know, the inserts, shots of cars hitting other cars, something they don't want the, the, the big-time director to bother with. But then mm -hmm. there's another credit after uh, it lifts Lynn Stallmaster for casting. It says assistant director Dusty Simons. And I'm like, wait a minute. who's the, What's an assistant director if not a second unit director? So I looked up Dusty Simons on IMDb. This guy has had an amazing career. He was the second AD on this movie and Superman 3, as well as doing that work on The Dark Crystal, Spies Like Us, A Little Shop of Horrors, The Dirty Dozen, 
uh, Richard Lester's The Three Musketeers, and A Clockwork Orange. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a hell of a career. So that makes me think that assistant director has got to be a very distinct credit than second unit. Because I think a guy that did whatever he did on A Clockwork Orange has got to have a little bit more going on career-wise than a guy that you would – you wouldn't hire Dusty Simons to, like, shoot a car hitting another car. You know, right, you're yeah. not going to bother. That that guy's too ta- talented for that. So I would love to know what footage Dusty Simons actually shot because now you're talking about there's a third director on this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, and they also have multiple directors. So those two other second unit directors, are those two second unit directors or was one of them Richard Donner's second unit director? Yeah, I know. One we of don't them know. Richard Lester's. <laughs> so I don't know because I met yeah. – because if if I imagine that if you're a second unit director, you probably work with a handful of directors, and I could see him, you know, not coming back and solidarity with Richard Donner. I mean, who knows? I mean, you probably this would take years to untangle, and I think we're finally at a point where people are willing to sort of tell their stories because it's not going to cost them their job now. Right. 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 But yeah, I, yeah, it's it's just very strange. And I, by the way, the to be working with a second unit director or an assistant director, whatever it is for Stanley Kubrick. My God, that's got to be a relief based on what I've heard who it is to work for Stanley oh, Kubrick. Oh, man. You yeah. got it. It's oh. like, I don't have to do 90 takes and you're making Scatman Crothers cry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God, poor Shelley Duvall. But, I mean, I imagine you see that second that guy come up and you're just like, oh, thank God, it's it's what's-his-name Simons. And you're just like, we're only going to do this twice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's relieved to work with somebody like Lester, who by all accounts was actually a very friendly guy, but he was a very, okay, let's get this done. Let's shoot it. And now we're done. You yeah, know, he, yeah. he, he was not a multiple take type guy. So you mean, you mean we're not going to spend all day on one line. Wow. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, you know, Rob, Rob, you and I pointed out last time there were some odd credits up front for the financial side of things. Yeah. Uh, you remember I forgot <laughs> what that one guy was, but because, you know, I mean, the Saul kinds, because Warner Brothers didn't realize what they had, they had to borrow big and maybe not quite steal. We won't get into that, but to get this thing made. So I guess that's why production accountant. Douglas Noakes and financial consultant Franz Affman are so high on the totem pole of the oh. credit. I mean, I mean, it's like what that should be buried like at the very bottom of the credits, and it's like up above like a lot of it's above the cast, it's yeah. above production supervisors, above a ton of stuff. It's like, no, offense, wow. no offense to Franz Affman, but the guy that moves money around really should not be in the credits of a movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's it's. Yeah, I I can't argue with that, but it's just sort of weird to thinking about that that you the sort of shady financial dealings and I'm not you know alleged uh, <laughs> shady financial dealings of the all kinds, and then Superman goes to work being a, a property of Canon Films, who let's just say there is a storied career of them uh, with money, and I'm oh. pretty sure the people at Mattel have something to say about that. Oh, yes. But, yeah, it's so Superman is always. I, I imagine Superman Returns was the first one that didn't have a, a number of shady financial decisions being made in the production. <laughs> but there were shady, shady people behind and in front of the camera on that production, unfortunately. Uh, so. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a different. Kind of, it's, so Superman has, the, has that kind of thing, too. It's like it's not just a picture of Bill Cosby this time. 
Yeah, if, right. if Superman Returns was a person, it would not be able to live within 500 feet of a school. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Um, and thank you, by the way, guys, for not letting me not see that Bill Cosby picture on this. <laughs> and I'm like, my God. So I, I'm going to say this as my retcon for that photograph is that the, this is part of some ongoing investigation with from the paper. <laughs> You know, Lois does ask in the first film. There, there's only one pee and rapist. So oh, I don't know. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh We're getting loopy here at the end of the final couple episodes. Of this wow! Season. Wow! Wow, Rob! Wow! <laughs> I just, uh, better, better timeline if this gets resolved in 1981. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. The NBC uh, Thursday night lineup is never the same, but we're all you know we don't have to feel icky about it either now. So. <laughs> oh God! And then Cheers never would have survived. Oh my Lord! Where that's no. oh no. It, it, we'd have no Cheers cast and no in Cheers my cast. <laughs> Ryan Daly was never born. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just have my, my image of Superman catching, you know, Bill Cosby, the back of his sweater, and then lifting him into the prison at the end of the movie. <laughs> Here you are, Warden, and giving him a little salute. <laughs> I see you have things well in hand. Yeah, I'm the greatest entertainer of all time with the jello and the pudding and the... <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> the alternate Superman 3. <laughs> Well, you know that Richard Pryor would have told Bill to have a coke and a smile and shut the f up. So that's you know. true. <laughs> I think we're done here, boys. I think we're done. Yeah, I think so. I think I think we should. I think uh, Rob and I will finish up the credits next time. Uh, but for now, it's time to thank Mike for stopping by and helping us wrap up the story and get loopy at the end. Uh, so <laughs> and talk about that wonderful diner scene. So, uh, Mike, can you tell the folks where they can find you online? Oh, absolutely. Uh, my main project is Radio versus the Martians. It's a podcast where I, Casey Doran, my co-host, and a rotating cast of, of folks that we know hash out pop culture topics. We did an episode on Chopping Mall, the slasher film. Um, and it's Killer Robots. And we also have another project, Podcast La Vista Baby, where we go through every movie by Arnold Schwarzenegger. We just did Jingle All the Way. So if you're feeling in the festive mood, uh, check us out uh radio versus the martians.com podcast la vista baby.com itunes stitcher all the normal places definitely check that out i gotta i gotta listen i haven't listened to the uh, jingle all the way episode i gotta i gotta get my turbo man uh, surprisingly action. nuanced <laughs> take on jingle all the way it's a it's a complicated film. There's a lot to hash out. I, I, I've got to say this way. I'm never going to have another chance to say this with Mike on it. That that film. I remember seeing that in the theater and thinking, okay, this is this is a you know a, a screwball comedy. It's it's fun. It's a you know romp with Arnold and Sinbad. And then he starts flying with a real jetpack, yeah. and I'm just like, what the hell? What kind of movie am I suddenly in? <laughs> What? What reality is this in now? It's like I've, I've never seen a movie that just totally like went from some approximation of the real world to that like that quickly. It's just it was so jarring. I still think it's a fun movie, but it's like, wow, that's just wow. OK, <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that in. I'm sorry. Uh, 
Okay, but speak, thanks, Mike, for dropping by. Definitely check out Mike's shows, of course, and, and I'm definitely going to check that one out because I can't wait to dive deep into that because it's bothered me for years. Uh, if you would like to support the Fire and Water Network financially and help us pay our server fees and such so we can continue to bring you more content like this and ramble on about Bill Cosby when we shouldn't, uh, you can click on the <laughs> Patreon link on our page or go to Patreon. Uh, dot com slash FW podcast. You can make a one-time donation or better yet a monthly one. And there are different levels and rewards to choose from. Uh, so please check that out at uh, patreon.com or uh, the little button on firewaterpodcast.com. We'd love to read your comments on Superman two over at firewaterpodcast.com. And you can leave us a review on Apple podcasts. If you would be so kind there, as always, we'd like to thank uh, Pete Retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us into the Movies by Minute family, allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the great movie shows at moviesbyminute.com. Join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman 2 Movie Minute as the adventure continues. Bye. Bye. Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. Thank you.